Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films. I'm your host, JJ, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello! And coming back to us on the podcast today, our very good friend, Johnny Della Luna. Welcome back, Johnny. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for uh, for having me back. This is my, this is technically my fourth time on the show, <laughs> your, but my third official time. Third time, third say. time. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no worries. That's a long story for another day. <laughs> uh, but, you know, for well, all... Thank you guys again for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. Happy to have you, Johnny. Um who also has the uh, Winning Ticket podcast as well. So shout out to that yes. podcast, especially since it's football <laughs> season. And I'm sure that, you guys have a lot to talk about. That's right. Yeah, you could you could find us. I know this is the fan base is more film centric here, but there's a Venn you're diagram. A sports fan, NFL fan. Yeah, right. It, it, I know the Colts and the Jets are kicking off soon as we're recording too. So you know, hope hope those New York Homer Jets fans get get another win. Um, not me, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> um, so today we have actually a, a double feature. It's kind of like a divided films first. Uh, so thanks, actually, Johnny. We would have just done one film, but we figured we uh, Johnny helped us discover that the sequel to the film we want to discuss is also divided. So two movies uh, that are both divided, and those are the Maleficent movies. So uh, Maleficent in 2014 that is divided, falling into the category of having a negative score from critics and a positive score from audiences. So 54%. Of critics approved and 70% of audience approved, so that's 16% difference. And the uh, consensus there: um, Angelina Jolie's magnetic performance outshines Maleficent's dazzling special effects. Unfortunately, the movie around them fails to justify all that impressive effort. Um, so <laughs> that was the 2014 movie. Kind of, you know, critics didn't really feel like there was, I guess, much of a point to that movie, but it won over audiences. And then five years later, in 2019, we get the sequel, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. And this movie is even more divided than the first one. Uh, critics liked it even less. Audiences liked it even more. 39% of audience <laughs> approved that one. 95% of audiences liked that one. Damn. And uh, the critics... Cons- big. Yeah, the, the really big divide there. It's over 50%. And the critics' consensus for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil... While it's far from cursed, Maleficent Mistress of Evil too rarely supports its impressive cast and visuals with enough magical storytelling to justify its existence. (laughs) So, you know, you kind of get the sense that the critics didn't really think there was much of a, like, narrative purpose to these films, which is kind of interesting. I mean, for me, I basically get a sense that with the first movie, at least, they're kind of trying to do something similar to Wicked, which is to take an infamously mm-hmm. you know, one-dimensional, like, just super evil villain and give them more backstory, more, I guess you could say, like, dimension to them, show the good side while also fitting into yeah. that original fairy tale framework. However, uh, I was disappointed when I first saw Maleficent years ago in theaters because it actually wound up really deviating from that original uh, 1959 animated movie. Not that it had to be super strict, but it just kind of was like false advertising to me in a way. Uh, and the Maleficent character in the live action is actually quite different. Might as well be a whole different character from the animated version, who's one of my favorite mm-hmm. Disney villains. So that was kind of my beef with that movie at the time, and I kind of felt the same rewatching. 
But if we just tackle these movies one at a time, you know, um, Johnny, if you can just take us through like what you yeah. had thought of the Maleficent movie when you had first seen it, and just maybe like what if it matched what your expectations were. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you guys, this is my second Disney movie coming on. Um, so you guys know I'm big Disney fans. Our Disney um, guy, Disney correspondent over here. <laughs> I love it. Um, I did not see Maleficent when it first came out in 2014. Um, so I walked into this viewing, you know, completely fresh. You know, I didn't read any synopsis. Didn't know, you know, if this was a story that was uh, going to tie in too much with with the Sleeping Beauty story. Um, I only went on just like the, the advertising around it um, and, and to put us back into the time frame this was in, right, um, was this was like the real beginning of the Disney live action remakes. Right. Um, the, the one before it was uh, Alice in Wonderland in 2010. Um, and that was that like checked all the Disney boxes. It was Tim Burton directed, Johnny Depp starring in it. Like it was all the best stuff at the time that was working for Disney, all in one kind of film. Big, you know, big budget CG effects, colorful characters, and naturally made a boatload of money. Um, yes. So the ne- the next project, you know, out of that, um, you know, there's Cinderella that comes up shortly after there too. I think this is after Maleficent, but that really expanded. Like, okay, what can we do? And I really think they tried to replicate the Alice in Wonderland formula, where they say, let's get a character that you know has a lot of potential, uh, and let's get a big A list star. And it's like no bigger A list than Angelina Jolie, who I also want to say is is by and large the best part of both of these films um but especially the very first maleficent so going into you know this movie um i was really i wasn't a huge fan of the disney remakes a lot of them just don't have that same magic that the animated films do um and that's for multiple reasons animation as a medium just has a lot more potential it's it's you can be more creative um, you can have uh, some more fun with the characters and the stage business. Uh, and a lot of these live-action films tend to be very stilted. The cinematography is great, but nothing... There's just no uh, charm to it. Um, you know, not knocking anyone who does enjoy these types of films. But um, that's why I stayed away. And when I watched it this time, it was kind of what I was expecting. Like, I'm not... <laughs> I don't think it really <laughs> bucked any expectations in that way. But I, I did watch... You know, with with you know, I, I want to know the backstory of Maleficent. Is she the first character I would want to have a backstory for? Probably not. I just liked how devious she was. She's you know, she's in Sleeping Beauty probably for all of like a half hour, um, but her you know, she she makes a big impression. So you do worry if like by stretching out her story, if she's going to be, you know, um, uh, like like maybe trying to find the right word like you're just not going to be as interested yeah um she's not going to be as evil i agree so part of the character's yeah. strength i thought in the animated version was her limited screen time because she always there's like a mystery to that character yeah and the fact that if you're you know in the animated version they're so economic with her with how much screen time she has that whenever you do see her yeah. it has more impact because she's very visually intimidating the voice actress does a really good job uh, of having that oh, very yeah. like evil, scary voice. You know, she had voiced a few other villains as well. Yeah, the stepmother, Eleanor Audley is her name. Yeah, oh, there, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and she voiced the stepmother in uh, in Cinderella. That's so right. That's why. I mean, she's got a very good villain voice. Yeah, she does. Uh, she scared everyone <laughs> she encountered. But she, um, yeah. yeah, I agree. Like the character to, to take this character and like give her her own full length movie. Uh, it's. I feel like it's almost um, inevitable that the character returned to someone a, a totally 
totally uh, different. Like, it's almost uh, no relation, really, by the time they, they maybe, like, reworked the script over and over again. Yeah. Uh, which is, like, unfortunate, because... You know, I have to say, Angelina Jolie does a great job, and this this version mm-hmm. of Maleficent is is kind of interesting and has it is kind of like alluring in a certain way, but just does not have the same appeal that the animated version has, which is um, probably the biggest hang-up I have about the movie. But mm-hmm. uh, Keith, I remember you saying at one point before we recorded that you you did kind of like this movie, uh, <laughs> so I'll give you a chance to play the devil's advocate appropriately enough. <laughs> The Maleficent Advocate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, this was my first time watching it, both movies. Um, I, I was Not that I'm particularly drawn to them, but it's just like I had other stuff going on. And that's kind of like how I feel. Like, you know, if you have other stuff going on, you might not, especially with the second one. I actually dug Maleficent. Uh, I had this with my, I watched it with my morning coffee. And what it, it does go through a formula that we know but it tries stuff that are that is interesting enough that raised some of my eyebrows that i was not expecting plus i also think having uh art director you know it's his first time directing i thought he added a lot visually as much as he can what i what i thought with uh maleficent i think when you're under the disney umbrella you're kind of you're not going to get a full bad guy movie she's going to be uh, anti-hero at most and, and you're and they're going to try to f- add some likability or some sympathy and i actually thought they did like I, especially in the first act i think the like we'll get n- into what happened in the first act uh that raised my eyebrows and i'm like oh this is it's trying to say something and it, it i think that's that's what made the character a little bit interesting for me of course in the second act there's pacing issues and you know you got a a, a as much as you can do type villain, and of course the third act is kind of video game-ish, but I don't know, there's some interesting things going along, and of course you're just drawn to it, uh, you're drawn to uh, Angelina Jolie's magnanimous, magnetic performance. Yeah, I, I agree that the first act, I was enjoying what they were setting up when I first saw this. I kind of liked how they would explain, you know, what had happened to her to make her evil and jaded, and she was portrayed. I thought that all made sense. So I thought, okay, like, I was following along in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, you get to that scene where they basically recreate the cursing sequence from the animated movie. Uh, but then, like, you get a hint that they're going to go off track just by the fact that they change one line at the end when she's doing the curse. Instead of a sleep like death, it's or no no instead of saying you know she will prick her finger and die she will prick her finger and fall into a sleep like death which is way less scary or impactful so then i i had my fears were coming to like uh oh here we go this is going to be a tamed watered down version of what this character was from the 50s version um and so forth but again that first act what they were setting up i kind of liked you know especially the one sequence um when yeah, this is probably the Angelina Jolie's best scene in either movie is when she wakes up and her wings were removed. You know, she has this yes. performance like she's been. I mean, she has been physically violated in that scene, and you can maybe make um, the you know, a parallel between that and other kinds of experiences other women have had. And so I thought that was a very compelling scene, uh, and you know, I, I I wish maybe the movie kind of yeah. I, I thought there was a lot of potential in that sort of sequence, but again, as the movie went on, it kind of um, would lose me more and more, and again, kind of 
pull back on the intensity level. I was surprised they which had. I think is a shame. I was surprised they had a scene like that in uh like this. She is, it is equivalent to a sexual assault. Like and the what the character goes through emotionally and her like she has an arc in this which I appreciated. Um, I just think that with, with like. The Sleeping Beauty story itself. I think if you're a Disney executive and you're like, okay, Alice in Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland made a billion dollars. Like, okay, we're, what are we looking at? What what can we do? I, I of course, you're gonna focus on Maleficent. Like everyone else, uh, you know, there's not much there with the other characters. Maybe the fairies, and they're they're only background characters. They're only side characters, and they were fun. They were I like they were the Three Stooges. I was about to say they're like the Three Stooges, which is funny because like they, you know, they're the focus in the animated movie really, and they're the ones kind of driving the plot. And in this new version, it's Maleficent who takes focus, and she's driving the plot. Uh, and so those three fairies, they totally they, they changed their names, they changed their personalities, they butchered them. Yeah, they they absolutely butchered them. I, I so the joke I was making was like I think I think one of them was named like. Uh, Knob, I think that was one. Yeah. It's like knob, wagon, and whistle or something. They're all I don't, I don't <laughs> like dumb and dumber and dumbest. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of that. I, I was I have confused. More to say. I was confused by what they were trying to do with those yeah. characters because in the beginning they're with yeah. Maleficent and then they're they're like against her. I was like, what is the motivation of these these fairy characters? I don't think that was fleshed out. But again, I didn't yeah. need the focus was not going to be on them anyway. So fine. Uh, yeah. but that was just like an eyebrow raise. Like what, what are they doing with these characters? I don't even think they know. <laughs> no, I, I think that the issue with this movie that is not present in the sequel is that, and by, you know, I'm a Disney fan by no means. Am I like a sleeping beauty, like purist? Well, like, well, they didn't get that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like changing the names and the personalities of the, uh, the fairies is like, you know, like you just didn't have to do that. It's small Keep potatoes. It it it's not that right. big a deal. Right. Um, but they, you know the Sleeping Beauty story itself is is very like if you had to write out the plot it would be like four sentences long there is not a whole lot that goes on in that movie the movie itself is like a very brisk it's like like barely an hour and 15 minutes uh, and again with animation you spend a lot of time with music a lot of time with like you know they're they're making the dress and the cake and it's just a lot of like non-scripted just little business that you can get away with putting like minutes and minutes in into a film. So when you adapt to live action, right, you now have to make up for all that stuff. Yes. And I don't think this this movie had a choice and it it kind of chose both, but at the same rate it chose neither because it would follow faithfully for some scenes, right? It would it obviously start it out completely fresh, completely new. I was on board with that. It's it's a it's an opening that's overdone in like movies for younger audiences where it's like the you know the whole once upon a time and then uh, I don't know like like they're always showing them as kids nowadays like everyone wants to see who these people are as kids um, the whole thing with with Stefan was was engaging enough knowing the plot of Sleeping Beauty and then after that they did follow the story right they they had that whole scene which was almost word for word um, and and that was uh, due to Angelina Jolie's. Uh, fascination appreciation her devotion to the original film and then after that you know as the second act rolls along the third act rolls along now i like made a joke earlier about like a, like a three men and a baby type situation where i thought maleficent was gonna like you know go through the struggles of parenthood like you know she like the, does that like classic scene where it's like 
she's like burping the baby and then all of a sudden like is peeing on her or something like that. Like, <laughs> that's where my brain would go. They, they could have made it a lot funnier. Yeah. Uh, and then, again, follows similar story beats, but then now you go to the end of the second act, the cli- you know, climax of the film, this big fight with Stefan, who is really the villain out of this whole thing. Um, and we even see that, you know, um, Aurora... Um, who you know? Who plays a much bigger role in the sequel? She doesn't even like regard Stefan as as her father, really. Well, she has one and scene with not him. her. She knows him yeah, for like five like, minutes. It's it's just it ain't working. So so back back to my point. It really being that th- this movie made some cool decisions, stuff I was on board with, but ultimately it was so disjointed with what it wanted to do that I had a hard time really getting into it. And, and maybe I'm not exactly the audience. I'm a 29-year-old white guy. So, um, you know, this movie's not made for someone specifically like me, but as a fan of this story and these characters, I think they should have, I don't know, just, just making more concrete decisions on whether this was a brand new story or a story that did, you know, you're really talking like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, I think Keith mentioned in an earlier combo, and then, um, like, like having us actually follow the events of the film behind the scenes. I, like, if, if I could watch Sleeping Beauty and think about what was going on behind all of this from Maleficent, I thought that would have been pretty cool, but you can't because they, they change things. Yeah, so. right. I would have preferred if they just, yeah. just stuck one or the other. Like, which is it? Is it the same story or is yeah. it a totally different story? And they try to have their cake needed too. Right. I do think there is like a lack of say, like consistency with that. I mean, also it's a mixed bag because the choices they do make that deviate, some of which I like, some of which I don't like. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, they make some choices, which I respect that at, at the very least. But it's it's kind of like hit and miss. I feel like... Um, you know, like I, I like at the end that the the true love kiss that breaks the curse is actually, yeah. you know, a motherly kiss, you know, maternal love, as mm-hmm. opposed to like the prince that you just met, and that's also kind of fashionable too within the last ten, fifteen years is modern kids movies, um, sort of like deconstructing old fairy tale yeah. tropes like love at first sight, that kind of thing. Sure. So that was which is fun. great, by the way. Even though it, it almost is starting to get a little stale because we're expecting it's it, like, right, it we still get is it. a progressive good thing, though. Right to get um, away from it, but like yeah. we've, it's been addressed now in at least a few other films, like Frozen, which came out the same year. Yeah, you know, Enchanted, which came out years before that. It's like yeah, we get and it. you even you yeah, you even have characters like the latest Disney princesses, like like Raya and Moana, that don't even have love interests like at all. They don't need no films. men. They don't need a man. <laughs> You just need the rock, you know, rapping to a Lin Manuel Miranda song. Yeah, to get the, the kids in the seats. But I, which what you said too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe this wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, you maybe we could say this is not a movie made towards like, you know, older men. <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm like in my early 20s when this movie comes out. But I dug it. But at the same, I'm point, an older man. I like. Same to- I dug it. <laughs> like I. At the same token, I was gonna say. At the same token, I feel like this movie is also trying to. Uh, appeal to people who grew up with the original version who are older now whether they're bringing their kids or going by themselves what have you but i think uh there is i think disney as a corporation definitely uh knows that there are people who are older who still have a love for their uh for their characters and for for their content and a movie like this is also trying to bring them in too it's it's like they're you have your 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 child audience your family audience but then you also have your your uh, i don't know what do you call it like um adult child audience you know people who still will go out and see it so that's me yeah that's that's us basically we, we still love our disney I, yeah i think we have to look at this in like 
I'm trying. I, the more I had to mar- more time I had to marinate on this movie. I, I, I'm trying to look at at this under like this dr- Disney umbrella, like this Disney corporate product. And this was the f- in that first early stages of their live action, as uh, Johnny said, uh, their live action remakes. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of the Alice in Wonderland, but it, it was like they took a chance on something very different. And it was more of a stylistic cho- choice is why I didn't care for it. And this well, was, that also is a different yeah. story. This was, and Alice in Wonderland yeah. is like it's like a follow up story to the animated yeah. version. And then also that one, you, I think Johnny mentioned, focuses on a character that really isn't on screen for most of the original version being the. It's not a shot so for shot remake. It's is what I'm saying. Yeah. And this is, uh, right. you know, we're even confirmed at the end through the older uh, Aurora narration. It's like now you know how the story is. Fi- this is a retelling, and I think they kind of had to yeah. like. I don't think Disney would like, uh, like uh, you know, if someone went like I. Maleficent's not going to Vegas. Like you're not gonna like it's it's not gonna be that risk. They're, they're gonna go the safe route with this movie. I would love that. Going to Vegas. They're gonna go. <laughs> Maleficent does Vegas. She's not going to the beach. Evil Rock Vegas. She's not going on earnest adventures. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what? Who? No one said she would. No, but like, I mean, we can get into it with the sequel. But what I mean is like, you, they're playing it so safe. That it is a retelling, and the fact that they had to go this way and they took interesting shots is probably why. Like I expected it to be a retelling. I'm not surprised. I and it was. Right. Okay. If anything, this is a good companion, a good double feature. You'd only be done with it in like what three hours? Like, if yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's pretty tight. I mean, the the like Johnny said too, the animated version is pretty short, and that one you don't even really watch for the story. I would say, like, a lot mm-hmm. of those movies, the Disney movies of the 50s, like the Cinderella movie, you almost watch more for, uh, like, the beautiful animation, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. some really beautiful... The songs. The songs yeah. as well are classic. Get those, like, full choruses, right? Mm-hmm. Just, like, no characters are singing. It's just a chorus of people <laughs> randomly <Yeah>. singing. But <laughs> then, you know, like, the, the artwork is so gorgeous. You know, like, the backdrops and everything. It's almost like paintings that are moving, and especially yeah. in the Sleeping Beauty movie. Uh, so that that's to me the biggest appeal in addition to the villain. So they expanded upon it. So mm-hmm. I don't mind they expanded upon it. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah, they expanded upon it. So I don't mind the uh, deviation from the story. I I just you know like I I really like that version of the character, and I yeah. you know I, I obviously in this in this new day and age you're not gonna have her screaming that she has all the powers of hell like she did in the '50s version. <laughs> right. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, but you get a more toned down character, uh, so yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that. But you know, of of all those live action remakes that that we're bringing up here, I would say like this is towards the top of that category. Uh, you know, because especially after this, yeah. we, it was almost like a snowball effect. Like we were getting after this more of these live action remakes more frequently, and it yeah. was almost more like shot for shot. like some, like it was just right more yes. shots. More just like unnecessarily like shot for shot remakes, and uh, they were getting worse and worse. I feel uh, mm-hmm. as they went on, and honestly, all most of those are divided as well. The Aladdin remake, the Lion King remake. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're like you know we would side probably with the critics on those who didn't like those live action remakes because mm-hmm. it's like obvious cash grabs. But a lot of people enjoyed them, and good for them if they like them. But I'm sure most sure. people would go back to the originals. Uh, cause right. You might as well, at least with this, if you really like this story better 
or this version of the character better than Maleficent, at least you can make your choice. Like, you know, as opposed yeah. to like the Lion King where there's really nothing, there's no choice to be made really at all. Before the sun sets on her 16th birthday, she will prick her finger on the spindle of the spinning wheel and fall into a sleep like death. A sleep from which she will never awaken. Maleficent, please don't do this. I'm begging you. I like you begging. Do it again. If you're really into Maleficent, you got the original movie, Kingdom Hearts, and now I think this actually, it adds enough to the character, while also, like, you're, of course, JJ, you're going to get a tone, in a Disney movie, you're going to get a toned down uh, main character, villain, especially if they're a villain, I think that happened with Cruella as well, but you're going to get toned down, and they, I like the framing of the, like, it wasn't that she was evil, she was just angry, uh, like betrayed they like it, it was overcoming an assault and and like there is love to give there like like you know she's opening herself mm -hmm. up to this person and that's how i kind of i don't know i'm i am the maleficent advocate on this film not much there are problems <laughs> with this film it is a compelling right. motivation I, but at the same token uh, yeah, the motivation of the original character in the animated movie, I also think I, is kind of cool because she's so evil that she curses a baby to death just out of spite because <laughs> you she was like insulted. That. She was invited <laughs> to the baptism. I just think that's like she's so evil that she has like nothing better yeah. to do than to just curse this baby because she was invited to the christening. And then it's like the whole movie she's hell-bent on having this prophecy fulfilled because she's it's like a matter of pride for her she's like so evil that she has to have this come true and so i i find that to be so like she's so like far down that one-dimensional evil that it actually does work uh because okay. it is like so extreme and she just exudes you know she is the mistress of all evil in that version <laughs> but then i get a sense that in this franchise especially what we get in the second movie which we'll transition to soon is that uh, she's not really as evil as she was originally made out to be, right? Like, she actually is good, and now we're going to maybe give this character some long overdue justice because uh, maybe, like, that original portrayal or, or perception of the character as just being pure evil was like a smear campaign, basically, <laughs> and there's actually a lot more to her. So that's that's kind of like the thesis, maybe, uh, or the way that these movies justify their existence is by giving her like, you know, uh, a second a second shot of being good. Yeah, I that that's exactly what it is, um, and it has to be right because it's Disney. Like, imagine like a Joker type take on this character that obviously wasn't made by Disney. That really like could expand on maybe that you know that that allegory of sexual assault that could really give this character depth and and really like have her do villain like truly horrible villainous things this is obviously some wicked timeline that will never exist mm -hmm. but i think i think with this movie that might be its biggest sin very plainly if you watch which i did i watched these films back to back uh, maleficent and sleeping beauty you know one of them is clearly more scary um more imposing than the other even though angelina jolie gives a great performance it's just a different take on the character where 
you know, there's, there's, for me, there is really no reason to, to revisit when Sleeping Beauty exists. There's little reason for me to watch a Maleficent because the, you know, um, the, the higher points don't out high the high points of Sleeping Beauty. If anything, there are a little more dull moments, even in a movie as brisk as this one, which thank was like around 90 minutes. Yeah, which, yeah. You know, first one's tight. That. Yeah, it's tight. The second one's a little longer, which it's actually is not too too bad. I know we'll talk, and it's more like an action movie at that point. But yeah. um, we'll see. You know. <laughs> we'll see. That's that that that's gonna be interesting when we get to that eventually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I I think that um, what was I, I was gonna say something to the effect of like. Uh, you know, like you, if you if you are just a fan of that original take on Maleficent, you, yeah. you might you would be uh, a bit disappointed in this in this new take. You kind of have to appreciate both separately and not really going into one thinking you're getting the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if anything, I I appreciate that this movie maybe popularized the Maleficent character and mm-hmm. maybe um, you know made people more aware of that original Sleeping Beauty movie because with the exception of like Kingdom Hearts. I feel like Maleficent is a villain that doesn't appear in as much Disney media as, say, like an Ursula or a Scar or even like some of the other older ones like Cruella and Captain Hook. I I feel like she was always like an like a underrated villain or underappreciated. They gave her villain. a little so bit more of a maybe person. Maybe it's not like if I'm sure uh, if you go to Disney World, there is Maleficent, and if you were to like hey how you doing maleficent she's like doing better than you like you know she had a little bit like a yes. little bit, uh, <laughs> right. but Some my question comment. to you and then we to both to the both of you is of course this isn't wicked and it's hard not to see the wicked comparisons when you watch this but what is why does like if i'm an alphaba diehard fan like to the wizard of oz <laughs> what why What's the difference between Wicked to Wizard of Oz? As uh, why does that get a pass for you guys? Because you're both musical theater people, and I, Wicked is a ten out of ten for me. Okay. But why does that get a pass and not <laughs> Maleficent to Sleeping Beauty? I think just because uh, Wicked doesn't change the original framework. I feel like it, it it was like more effort to keep within that original framework of the Wizard of Oz story. Whereas I kind of get a sense that they initially wanted to in Maleficent keep to the the Sleeping Beauty framework, but they just couldn't figure out a way <laughs> to have that story be the same and still make this character uh, like have a good side to her. So I feel like they almost cheated in a way uh, by, by changing the story. And to me, it's like almost like they, they made the story up. They made the Maleficent script up as they went along. And that's never a good sign. Whereas Wicked, it's like, more clever to see how the story you are familiar with and this new story, um, how they come into it's done better eventually, and how they do eventually. It's done up. better. The pacing and and that's Broadway. People love the book. I'm just like if I'm watching Wizard of Oz, it's like oh yeah, the Scarecrow and the Wicked Witch, are the, like they're they're fuck buddies. Well, I don't know if I and I rewatch <laughs> when I rewatch the Wizard of Oz if I catch that on TV. Uh, Sometimes I'll think about it like, oh, okay, maybe this other stuff than Wicked is going on in the background. I don't really think that, actually. I, I kind gotcha. of do see them still as separately. I just uh, think, again, like with Wicked, it's like a clever twist. I got gotcha. you. And, you know, if you, don't, if, you, if you go into a blind, it's, it's like more rewarding uh, just to see them, again, come up with clever ways to make two yeah. stories fit into one. 
I, th- I think Wicked has so much more to work with, because I think The Wizard of Oz is a much more richer story. Yes, yes. Um, okay, I'll agree which, with you on which, that. Which, you know, was... Yeah, more more closely adapted to the L. Frank Baum book as opposed to Sleeping... So Maleficent's an, ad- an adaptation of the Disney version of Sleeping Beauty, which came from... Was it Charles P- Perot or something like that? I'm sure um, there's tons of versions right. of Sleeping Beauty. So, so like, they, they again, they, they had so... There's so little going on in Sleeping Beauty, even though it's a great film. It still is one of my favorites. I think that with Wicked, there's so much more. Obviously, too, like, you know, being on stage, you have, like much more character work songs like there's wicked is i mean obviously head and shoulders above maleficent but that's that's the reason i think why it works a lot better it it literally has more going for it in almost every okay no that's fair yeah you're right there's almost because the original source material has so much Mm -hmm. more going on there's more potential to come up with new ways of working around that we're here it's like there's, there's maybe not enough to work with that you again you have to deviate it's like inevitable um yeah. and but again like you you kind of as an audience member have to understand that like you, you have to perceive two those two stories as being more separated and not really one in the same like okay. you would with a wicked that wasn't meant as a god type. gotcha question that was more just like you know it's yeah, no, got gotcha journalism gotcha podcast. No. Like, no, I was just gener- I think you guys both gave very no, good. I, 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 I think it's a valid question. Very Keith. good answers that it's. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm also like, I could still <laughs> be a the fan oral of this exam. movie and agree that like, <laughs> there are stuff that I liked about it that, it, like there. I, I mean, it's far from perfect. It's and it's a heavily not heavily flawed, but it's I still. Right. Like it's a good date movie. Watch with your kids. That's how I feel. And we'll when we do the scoring, I'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I there's enough enough going for it that I think people who watch it will. I mean, obviously a lot of people, audiences liked it. There was enough there for them. Uh, with probably Angelina Julia alone is a big selling point that yeah. really won a lot She's of people star. over. Where I don't know if any other, no other actress probably she, could do this role. Like it was inevitable that she that she would do this mm-hmm. performance. But because she's so good, I think that's enough to win over audiences. Whereas, you know, critics, they're way more laser focused on script than than the normal viewer would be, and so mm-hmm. um, you know, the the the, the narrative flaws uh, weigh heavily more on them than they do audience members. Um, so that would be, you know, like if we maybe want to go into our scores from Maleficent before sure. moving on to Mistress okay. of Evil. <laughs> You know, uh, Johnny, what 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 is like? What would you what would you conclude about the Maleficent portion of this conversation? And what yeah. would your percentage score be? Of course. So so a lot of the stuff that we said earlier is 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 trying to be an adaptation, but trying to be something new. It's trying to be a vehicle for Angelina Jolie. Um, but then there's like a lot of like Stefan scenes, and it's funny we've we've talked about this movie a lot due to circumstances, and none of us have really even brought up like Elle Fang, uh, Fanning as as Aurora, her performance, Prince Philip's performance, like yeah. it really is a movie that's like, it it's it just like it, it strikes me on paper that this would be a huge success, which it was, but in execution, just like a lot of these remakes, there's just it's still lacking in that like in that extra punch. It's it's like watching Will Smith do Robin Williams Genie, where you're like, okay, I get it, but I really just don't feel anything. Like I could definitely see worse, but I've seen better and I want better. So 
Um, Maleficent falls under under that category, and for that reason, you know, it's it's certainly not a, a bad film, not at all. It's just not a great film, in my opinion. I think fifty percent, right smack in the middle, is probably where I would where I would seat it. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'll wind up falling closer to your score. But mm-hmm. uh, Keith, I have a feeling that you're going to be on the other side of that Rotten Tomato uh, barrier. Uh, there, most movies that come out in a year, if you really kind of look at a list of movies. Like, few are very great, timeless, and then they go re- really good, fine. Most of the movies that come out in a year are end up being fine. Like, all right. enjoy. If, if I enjoyed it, it's fine. This movie is, I think, uh, and most movies, uh, how I grade fine movies are in the 60s. Uh, I don't really need a need to watch them again, but they're all right in my book. But I think what, uh, what this movie does in the first act and her journey, of course, Angelina Jolie's acting. Everyone's acting was fine, but she's a powerhouse. And, you know, it kind of, you know, falters a little bit in the second act. But it's enough to keep me engaged. And it's enough. It does enough interesting things with the character. I love the relationship with her and the crow. Uh, I thought that was very unique. I think the audience, I'm going to give it that little bump. Uh, this is fine with a capital F. I think the audience got it right. 70. <laughs> yeah 70 for you 70 okay all right and you know i'll touch up on some of those points that you guys made that we maybe glossed over like l fanning is like fine in the part i feel like almost anyone could do it in both maleficent and the original sleeping beauty yeah. the princess is like probably the least interesting character oddly enough mm-hmm. even though the story revolves around the princess yeah that's that's true <laughs> and then um then you have uh, then he, you mentioned the crow character. I kind of like how they set up the crow character and give the crow a little more of a of mm-hmm. a backstory. Because I did find that the crow character in the animated version kind of like an interesting. She needs someone like, to talk to, like yeah. sidekick. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. But like, sort of as like right. her top minion who is able to like do her bidding and stuff. And they kind of he has a good, interesting, sinister personality in the animated version. Because all of her other minions are straight up morons, <laughs> apparently. But um, I like that they give they give that a little attention. That actor also brings some interesting um, choices to that role. But you know, mm-hmm. for for me, it's um, yeah, just not what I would have preferred that they do. They made choices, and that's better than nothing. Definitely a higher mm-hmm. score than all the other anime uh, live action remakes that make no choices. But uh, yes. it's just just a mixed bag, and I wind up feeling for me like fifty seven percent is the right number. Okay. So, uh, remind us, Keith, what does that percentage come out to? I am once again satisfied. 59. <laughs> 59. 59. Which works. Wow. Second time, second time in a row, we come to a 59%, a, like, down to the wire, <laughs> fresher rotten score. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's where we fall yet again. And so, on Maleficent, we are officially siding with the critics... So now we can move on to the <laughs> sequel to Maleficent, yeah. which came out five years later, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. The borders are open, but humans are not welcome, isn't that right? What exactly are you implying, Your Majesty? Innocent men are being slaughtered on the moors. And she's talking about fairies. Contain your animal, or I will. If I didn't know better, I'd say you were making a threat. 
Well, do you? Do I what? No better. So Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, that comes out five years after the first one. And, um, yeah, I had never really seen it. I kind of forgot there was a sequel, really, until, Johnny, you brought it to our attention. And it's crazy. It's even more divided than the original one. Audiences love this. Right? 95% of audiences like this movie, which is like a really high score compared to the 34% of, or sorry, 39% of critics is, 39% is like a solid bad score, I would say. Yeah. But then, yeah, 95 is like crazy. There are like. That's, that's like real. That Not like, oh, we liked it. That's like, this movie's amazing. That's higher <laughs> than like, I don't know, like Jaws or something. <laughs> like that's, yeah, right. That, that's it's crazy true. high. <laughs> uh, so so that's the, you know, audiences really enjoyed this, this one. I mean, I'm like very conflicted about this sequel because i went into it not really knowing anything mm -hmm. and you know watching it at first like in the first 10 minutes i'm like why is this what is the point to this movie still i'm not quite sure <laughs> and then the plot finally gets going and i'm like okay there's more going on in this movie mm -hmm. and so i kind of like that they dive more into this like mythology of what maleficent even is and other creatures that are similar mm -hmm. to maleficent other fairies with horns and bird wings and Michelle Pfeiffer is this villain in the movie, creating conflict. Yeah. Um, she, she's the mistress of evil. They mistitled is. the whole movie. It's well, all Michelle Pfeiffer's queen character. Well, that's you know? what I was alluding to before, <laughs> is that Michelle Pfeiffer, towards the end of the movie, has this thing about how she used fear to get what she wants, and she created like basically a smear campaign against Maleficent mm -hmm. to turn people against her. And that's kind of what the movie is saying. Like, oh, that original story we were told, say that 1959 story, that was just a ploy to turn like humans against magic folk and get people to be afraid of Maleficent. And so this movie is basically trying to negate the original animated story altogether. Yeah. And as if to say, like, that story is, you know, that's, that's the, that is a, a manipulation of another evil character. But I don't know, like, this movie's longer. It didn't feel that much longer, but I'm just, I'm, I have such mixed feelings about it because at times mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I feel like I would go back to this one more than the first one. But then other times, I'm like, this is so sloppy and so ridiculous at times, especially the end. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I'm still reeling. I mean, I saw this maybe like a couple hours before we started recording, so it, maybe yeah, it's still like same. digesting. But, but man, there are some like crazy choices here, and I get the more extreme. Like, what's bad is worse than what's bad in the first movie. But at the same time, there's some things that are better than the first movie. So. Uh, I'm like a divided JJ <laughs> myself. You have to you have to decide for yourself what you like. I'm having an inner like, debate yeah. here in my head. I don't even know what to think. But what what about you, Johnny? Like, what was your initial reaction watching this? Yeah. So believe it or not, I actually like this movie. I'll just say it right off the bat. I like it better than the first one. I think that the problems that were hamstringing the first Maleficent are gone now because you don't have the constraints of the Sleeping Beauty story. You have, you know, you have built in now a further understanding of the, you know, obviously Maleficent, but some of the other characters. And like, like that whole scene at the dinner 
with like you know you find out it's the spindle that that you know she she uses to to stab the husband and uh maleficent is like forcing herself into small talk like that's that was fun that's like what you go to the movies for is stuff like that right mm -hmm. the execution of stuff again nothing that i haven't seen before and probably better in some areas but like this was this was a version that i i enjoyed the choices i liked where they took the characters and some of the story it was a little bit hokey in some points, you know, with how bad Michelle Pfeiffer's character was. Oh, she's, yeah. She's the queen, and she was the evil one all along. Um, but I I just, I think, like, my guard was down a little bit more, and I just was like, okay, let me just see what this is. And strangely enough, you know, it, it was made in 2019, which is, you know, is like yesterday. You know, yeah, I, super I, I realized, recent. yeah, I totally forgot. I'm like, okay, this was like probably right before COVID. And um, this is when, you know, a Disney that's now influenced by how well the Marvel movies are doing, um, how well some of their other animated movies are doing about, you know, like powerful uh, women characters. Yeah, and I right. wonder if they borrowed some of that sensibility. There is um, like a similar sense from, of from like a, a final battle where there's just like so much more going on. Yeah. And you have like two armies of people battling. That does right. actually, now that you think about it, it, does remind me of something from a more recent Marvel climactic battle of like. Two, yeah two large legions of of like opposing sides fighting against each other in a chaotic scene that's right. true and, i had i'm making that connection out in a way i hadn't i wouldn't have you hadn't brought that up yeah and i think i have to check the dates on this but alice through the looking glass also came out i think in 2017 and that was the sequel to the live action alice in wonderland which i haven't seen that one uh, again for reasons why i wasn't planning on watching the sequel to maleficent um but it, I also think it dealt with kind of you know Alice in like a warrior costume. They have like a big war, their big big fighting that's going on in that film. So like I I just the, the tone is different. It's almost like going from like like this is an action movie. This is not a fairy tale. This it totally is very is. big on action. The whole thing with like her being a phoenix. Like now we're going into you know like like this feels more like the backstory. Okay now okay. This is what she is now. Okay, she was heartbroken in the first one. I get the emotions behind her decision-making, but, like, now I actually know what she is. So she's a fairy, but she's a phoenix. She's a, she's a dark fairy. I'm like, it, like, the dots were connected better in this one. I, I don't want to say that what could have happened in this could have happened in the first one, but there is a version where both of these movies do what they do best in one bigger cohesive story that maybe does stretch a little over two hours but is well worth the ride in general so so i just off the bat like this is a movie i definitely like it better than maleficent and it's something i, I would i watch again i don't know but you know it's it it was a it was a ride i myself yeah. watching this I, before before keith starts because i know he um keith's busting right now yeah um <laughs> but i will say this i think i get a sense that Fans of the first Maleficent movie go into this movie and almost get what they want, mm. right? I kind of think that, like, diving more into Maleficent, like her, like, what kind of creature she is and similar creatures mm -hmm. and playing more with her character, like her having to be nice and go to a dinner. And, like, <laughs> there's certain elements that I think they are catering more to what audiences liked about the first movie. Yeah. So I think that's, like... That 95% comes from, like, the people who who really liked the first movie came mm -hmm. back 
and those are only the people who are left and those are the people who are getting exactly what they wanted as opposed right. to some people the, the audience members who maybe lowered that initial score for the first movie they didn't really come back as much so now the sequel you're only left with the big big fans of this franchise and that's the big score there but mm-hmm. uh keith give us the other side of it i i can tell that you are maybe not seeing eye to eye here I'm really happy the Goonies never got a sequel. Uh, I, you know how I said, like a couple minutes ago, how I said a lot of movies are fine at the end of the day. Uh, well, if you look at a year, any given year, there may be fine movies, but there's mm-hmm. even more meh. It's not this movie's not bad. I'm probably more apathetic to this movie. Um, I would equate this movie to like watching a parade. I like, you know, you see the parade coming, you see all the lights, the fireworks coming at you, all the whatevers, every, and then, then you're kind (laughs) of realize like, oh, wait, there's no parade scheduled today. And before you have time to even think about the parade, the parades are already on, they turn the corner, they're gone. And you're like, I don't know, like what, (laughs) this isn't a parade street. I don't know. I feel like I, I, I feel like I slept walk. After the first, after the first, uh, like, I think it, it kind of was playing with some interesting ideas in the beginning that we've seen before in movies. So, but I was like, okay. But I think, like, a half hour in, I just, I, I feel like I brainwashed. While, while, I, like, my brain is like, <laughs> pay attention. I kept pausing the movie to see how fucking long it was. But I also was like, I was just asking questions about myself about like dis like Disney sequels, like I'm I'm just like I kind of get what you're saying. I think I I, this I, like I a get parade. That this movie is and like then I don't a remember it. of all different kinds of tones that don't happen at the same time. So you like in the beginning, it's kind of almost like sitcomish, like Maleficent, you know, practicing getting ready for the big dinner and things like that. And they introduce right. some other characters that are kind of silly, uh, and then. By the end of the movie, it's like an action film. Yeah, uh, I think in the middle there's some like conspiracy stuff going on. It's uh, very Marvel. It really is very Marvel yeah, in that. But sense. But it's like one kind of tone at it. It's almost episodic yeah. in a way. Mm, okay. I just I they bring back certain creatures that I guess I kind of liked in the first movie, like those big tree mm-hmm. people or something like that. Uh, but in terms of the plot itself, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer has this really long-winded monologue that I didn't care mm. for. She's explaining this whole history. I'm surprised of... I remember that. I was like, why is she bad again? I'm like, oh yeah, like her brother or something. Yeah. Or but other. it was like so, it was like so unexplored. It's like, what brother? We don't know you had a brother. What other kingdom? What, like she goes on this speech. We don't flash back to it. We just hear her talking about it. And it's, I feel like so half baked what her motivations are. <laughs> she just hates magical people at the end of the day. Yeah. There's a reason for it. And she's hell-bent on basically committing genocide against magic people. And yeah. so you know, at the end, when they're kind of giving her a comedic comeuppance, it becomes co- like a comedy again. Like she falls in her face. The music becomes more playful. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. Like turn into she's a goat. responsible. <laughs> yeah, she turned, they turned into a goat. But like she was responsible for like hundreds of magical creatures getting killed. Maybe thousands. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But for a while, <laughs> they're playing up the intensity and the tragedy of all these magical creatures being like slaughtered and you know her snide evil face as she watches 
And then at the end, it's like, oh, she's a goat. Ha, ha, ha. Let's have a wedding right now. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Right. This ending is, like, insane to me. It's it, like, yeah, let's have a wedding right now. Right now. After this huge battle scene where tons of people have been killed. Let's have a wedding right this second. <laughs> let's not yeah. wait a day. Uh, that just, like, threw me for, like, a it, huge loop. The, the characters, strangely, were, like, obsessed with, like, peace. Everything was just, let's not fight. Let's do peace. Let's not do all, like, it, it, it's like, maybe it is recalling Sleeping Beauty in that it was kind of dry. But, like, it, that that was, like, the main motivation. And, like we alluded before, for a movie called Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. She's all she's good. She's not all that evil. She's not bad. She's, <laughs> she's not even bad. She's really not evil. She's not yeah. even she's not, bad in this like, movie. Like, she, like let alone evil. that goes evil. into the thesis. That goes into, yeah. like, the thing I, of the villain's plot of, like, oh, like, I, it's an ironic title, if anything. Also, yeah, I, like it hit me at one point where there's at least a, like a 20 minute stretch where we don't even see Maleficent. Like she goes to be yep. with the other bird people, and then we <laughs> go back to are. the kingdom. <laughs> That's whatever. it. Whatever. Like the fairies, In the strip, are, like, a, bird people. <laughs> like whatever they are, they're fairies, but they're specific <laughs> kinds. They're different than the little fairies, yeah. the blue, red, and green ones. But like she's with them, and then it cuts to like you know, what's going on in the kingdom with Michelle Pfeiffer, and that goes on for a really long time, and it's like, yeah. wait a minute, what about what about the main character who we're here yeah. for? We, they almost, like, we almost forget about her. So, it's like Michelle Pfeiffer is the mistress of evil, I suppose, the real one. But maybe <laughs> it's like one <laughs> of those kind of things where they get lost in the sauce a little bit, writing this whole kind of mm-hmm. convoluted plot conspiracy and it's like oh crap like this is maleficent's movie this, we got to go back to her and and this this strikes me too as a film that i'm sure went through a ton of rewrites and there's probably large chunks of the final script that are missing that might have explained some of these uh things a little bit better um but instead at all it does it does all feel like everybody in the orchestra playing a note at once to tune yeah. up, you know, and it's all just like it's like, ooh, okay, like that. Sort of that was good, but most uh, like, can we can we try all the that instruments again? On the parade, yes, that's exactly what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, there you go. In, in a keeping, little more focus would have been nice. The, the it just biggest... seems like a big mess to me. Like everything, story wise, yeah. character wise, like everything just seemed like they threw tons of things into a pot and mixed it up, and like this the story is a wash basically it's yeah. like whatever like we're gonna bring back this character we're gonna dove a little more into her mythology that could be a little interesting but for the most part um i'm just thrown for like a whirlwind of yeah. generic plot elements and and tonal inconsistencies that really leave me feeling totally confused at the end i don't know i, I can't even say good or bad i'm just Hmm. Almost at a loss for words. Well, at the there, end of this there are movie. good elements to it. There's like you know, it's well, it's well directed. It's like I, mm-hmm. the costumes, the the acting is fine. I, I was thinking, uh, like there's a bunch of points. Like, it's the Maleficent movie that I want. I may, I'm not losing sleep over it. I most likely will not, will not get, or the Maleficent sequel, especially. Uh, okay. un- especially under the Disney uh, umbrella, it's you're gonna get a very safe, risk averse. Uh, what works in our company, Marvel s mm-hmm. like a complete CGI fire. Like I, I, you could tell me all these actors died and we brought them back CGI'd, and it was it, this was all green screen. And there was something that I'm like, I, if I were a Disney CEO, they were like. 
2019 alone, there were double digit feature films, let alone mm -hmm. all the stuff that premiered on Disney Plus and all the nat there and even not even ca even counting like the natural the penguins like the National Geographic stuff. <laughs> but there were at least like between Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, Disney anime, like there were at least double digit features. Lessen mm -hmm. the budget on this. Allow them to like. I'm not saying go. I'm not saying go like once again. I'm not saying go to Vegas. I'm just you could take a risk, and I would respect a risk of it fall failing. I'd rather hate this movie than find it meh. Like, cause it's just yeah. I I did not. Uh, once again, you know, like I'm trying to care about Elle Fanning or like, she's a great actress, but I'm trying, I'm trying to care about Aurora and it's just like, uh, like I'm trying to care about Warwick Davis. I'm just, uh, like I find myself being annoyed with the Aurora character in this movie, if anything, cause it basically seems like everything she does <laughs> plays into the hands of the, of the villain of the movie. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like she is a hindrance throughout the whole movie. She was like a non-factor in the first movie. And in this movie, she's just playing into the hands of the villain, and so uh, every like it's another time where the story like they're trying to incorporate her as best as she can, but um, she's a bigger she, star. Give her more like give her more screen time. I just I almost felt like like all like the star of this is still all around Sleeping Beauty, but she is probably like the least interesting factor in the whole saga. I guess, which is too bad because she has the most potential, especially given how she was like a blank slate in the original animated version to really kind of give give more agency. You're to. also kind of constrained. She's still, she's still a character. She's still a character that things are happening to. Yeah. Basically. Yes. Instead of mm -hmm. a character who maybe takes control of her own fairy tale, and there's a loss of potential there. Like uh, Johnny, you mentioned before, like you kind of like that. Like, I feel like when you're dealing with something like a. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, Maleficent. You're dealing only in fairy tales and castles. That's the world that mm -hmm. we live in. The next bad guy is a wicked queen. Mm -hmm. I just would have like, I don't like. This was a chance to really explore Maleficent as a character, and of course, the one time you get backstory, I'm very not in. I'm not interested at all. Like that's where it kind of ruined the mystery of her. Like I'd rather see her mm -hmm. character going forward as opposed to well, looking backward on this. Well, why does the character? Do they ever explain why her character has never met another similar creature to herself? Like it seems like she was totally unaware that there's a whole race of people just like her. Yeah, they were right next door. <laughs> they were right there. Yeah, I th I don't think that was actually ever explained. And that, that whole scene, see, that was, I thought that was something that was, that I was into that backstory, Keith. Like, that was cool. She, like, wakes up in this, like, nest kind of place. There's, like, a, like, a cavernous, like, world that is, like, I guess is underground in the sky. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know it those things, like, but it didn't bother me. I liked me. it in Kung Fu Panda 3. Like, I've seen it before. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, but I've, I've seen no, a lot of these aspects before. And You know what I honestly thought of, Keith? So, sorry to interrupt you, but it, but it's funny enough, and I'm being dead serious. I think of uh, Shrek Forever After. That's kind of the vibe I got, which was that little bit, like, medieval, and Shrek, like, meets the other ogres. That is that is kind of the vibe it's I got. Frozen 2. Which right. came out in 2019. Like, it's, yeah. it's been mm -hmm. done. And I just, like, I yeah. would have had her, like, make a, do something that would have been considered evil. Like, sure. cross the threshold. Like, at least, like, I, I, like 
like the, the point of no return. The, like where, it's kind of like where I wanted yeah. Ray to join up with Kylo Ren at the end of Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. But I think you're only constra- like. I know I'm not going to get that, but I'm just like with 12 feature films, lessen the budget, maybe add some practical effects. You could really take take a risk. Something take a risk. Take a risk. Take the loss. You're going to make money on it. Of all companies that are able to they're able to withstand a risk and a financial failure, it would be Disney. And you're right. It seems like they're just recycling a lot of elements from previous movies, and that's too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, this, like we're not going to see her do that big thing that is evil, Mistress of Evil, because they are decidedly having that whole evil stigma be a falsehood. Yeah. That is the ultimate decision of this movie is that she never was evil really to begin right. with. And that's another kind but, of wasted potential. Like, let's see yeah. her make that decision. Like, if she truly is both good and bad, like, let's see her really struggle with that dichotomy mm-hmm. and, you know, have like some really interesting moments where like, you see both sides of her and having hard times and making decisions, but no, she was always, she was always good. And she's just kind of fighting a bad rap. Yeah. I I think that's such a, even though I did enjoy this film, that is such a valid point from both of you that there's no way Maleficent is, is not even the most evil character in her own two films. I feel like, and she most clearly is in sleeping beauty. And it is, it's because Disney Nowadays, you know, it, for some reason they think like the, the bottom's gonna fall out, like they're gonna lose a ton of money, right? The, but the, they've they've had string after hit, string after hit. They need to start. This would have been a movie that would have benefited even better from risks um, and allowing, like I mentioned before, about like like a Jokerizing of the character, where you really go, you don't have to go like too too dark, but you really can in in a family friendly way explore some of you know some of the deeper. You know, there's like no nuance to her either. There's nothing that makes her tick. There's nothing that really makes her upset aside from just like her own life being threatened. Which how uninteresting is that? I mean, we all you know right. we all fall under that too. They they need right. to take there's, yeah. The, uh, the, there's nothing particular to her character that's threatening. It's all like the threat that any other character could face in any right. other story. Right. Uh, it, yeah. it, do, it doesn't me, do good, sir. I, I had like a, I had this whole feeling too. In addition to like recycled plot elements, that a lot of this movie either received notes or was conceived with like you know executive focus groups or stuff. Like just as an example, the addition of that tr- like Sonic Hedgehog ripoff uh, character, like that CGI Hedgehog. Character, oh, Pinto. <laughs> Pinto. They introduce this character in the beginning, and I feel like is he gonna be the comic relief? What is yeah. he? They just have random shots of him looking cute at the camera and reacting to stuff. And I'm like, this is just a character that someone conceived to just appeal to young children, mm-hmm. basically. Like right. a would-be mascot of the film that you would make toys out of. And it's like yeah. this is like the most transparently useless, uninspired <laughs> character <laughs> that I, I, I cringe every time I see him on the screen. And it's just indicative of a lot of the other creative choices that they made in the sequel. It was like... Just, just you know, keep keep cranking the you know keep keep turning the same familiar wheel over and mm-hmm. over again. I kn- uh, I know I would get fired as like a Disney executive, but the uh, the first Maleficent made it was the fourth highest grossing movie of 2014. So and you know mm-hmm. it, same thing with uh, Alice in Wonderland made a billion dollars. Uh, Insane. It's okay. It's okay to keep it at one, and I would get thrown out of the building <laughs> because right. uh, like. This movie almost feels like 
it's going to get forgotten. I mean, in 2019 alone, you had Endgame, uh, Rise of Skywalker, and Toy Story 4. It's like, it, it, it was so generic that it doesn't even stand out, and it ah, will like it was see. kind of the forgotten, per, forgotten gravestone. Uh, yeah. You know, it's in that forgotten area of Disney. Like probably it's, the it least sucks, memorable, cause... the least memorable release of all the ones you just mentioned that they had yeah. in 2019. And actually, it's interesting that. Toy Story 4, you mentioned that also being released in 2019. That is such an interesting difference in a, a sequel that had a purpose, that had original ideas, that took risks and didn't do that things that forward that didn't do things that pandered audiences did things like like character growth that was consistent with the previous installments and there was a real reason to make that movie like they didn't just make a toy story 4 because they knew it would make money because any toy story movie would but they like waited for the right script and then there you go as opposed to this movie where it's like just make it it's like the opposite reason basically it's like the antithesis so if they, I think there could be a good Maleficent idea out there somewhere. And if they needed more time, if it was going to come out 10 years after the first one, if it was finally a good idea to do it, then that's fine. No one's like, like demanding you make a Maleficent movie right now. We're basically writing the, like the first movie you got, people sympathize with Maleficent. We are on her side. We get her viewpoint. The second movie should have been. I don't know if I'm still on her side. Like she has to make some very compromising positions to maybe protect her kingdom against. I'm okay with Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm okay. She's having the second wind as an actress and popping up and stuff again. But I, it should have been to challenge how like the audience's uh, empathy or sympathy for this character who ha maybe maybe not even gets a kick out of doing evil stuff, but is just like I have to do this stuff for the name of my kingdom and maybe like i don't talk to aurora again right or like just because it's again in her nature that she has both those good and evil parts uh because you know like that that alone again she makes some decisions that yeah that are you can't go that are irreversible uh something like that but um yeah i don't know i i i just wasn't sure what they were trying to accomplish in this movie besides obviously to make more money yes Will you give me away? Never. No. Will you walk me down the aisle? Uh, yes. No, I completely agree. A, a lot of these films, too, and I hate to say it, is like, you know, they the baseline caring is like, okay, she has a bunch of bird people that their home world is at stake. Do I really care about these people at the conclusion of two hours either way? Not really. You know, I'm not an, I'm not an evil guy. I don't want to see people suffer or anything like that. But, like, at no point during that battle sequence was I like, oh, come on, come on, guys, don't lose the battle. You already know where it's, what's going on, and the stakes just aren't completely high. And much more, and this could be, truly, I mean, we're older, you know, we're older audiences the movies that we watch are obviously more than what a you know family audience would watch. So we're more in tune to what a good psychological cognitive dissonance would do for a character like this, and maybe that's more of what we want. Um, but but a lot of those a lot of these films, I just I really just don't care enough. 
and and it's like, like oh, there's no investment there's no right. i'm not invested like i should be i think you, that could be a seed of an idea that'd be interesting like oh maleficent comes from like a, a race of people who are hiding and now she can maybe like champion them to come right. out there's like there's something of an interesting idea there that goes totally unexplored and or what if even, they're evil what if they're sure, she has to yeah. choose between her past and her future? Right. Yeah. God that's damn it, it, Disney! Listen to us. Like this, we, we got Maleficent we'll three the on rewrite. our hands. But and then by the end of the movie too, like these 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 people, these fairy people, have lost like maybe half their numbers in this battle. Like, oh, they yeah. were absolutely decimated, and yet they are still at the end of this movie going like, "Woo, a wedding! Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> it's like half of your like friends and family were just murdered. Like, there's just no. You guys need a minute. Like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like, I don't even know what the movie wants me to care at that point. Yeah. Like, that's like, that's coming from just a confusing choice of tones. Yeah. I, um, so, and I mean, even, I could I have to say to you, like, there are even moments in the first movie where it's like suspense, intensity, like, mm-hmm. this is the moment, the most dramatic moment, and I'm just like, I don't really care right. or invested mm-hmm. really as much as they want me to be, uh, which is probably like, you know, the most... Um, yeah, that's that's the bare minimum, right? So like, I'm yeah. here not as to care what <laughs> happens. So, um, I think we can uh, then sum up on our on our <laughs> on the sequel here. So, what what is what would you be? What were your summary and score for Mistress of Evil? John? Okay, Mistress, the aptly titled Mistress of Evil. By the way, biggest sin in the movie was showing Michelle Pfeiffer's hand like within the first twenty minutes. They should have never done that because I probably would have been surprised. With the whole, with the needle and stuff. I, I love, see, like, little, oh. yeah, uh, when she goes in the dungeon and watches everybody. But it, it would have been cool to see that, but just not knowing that she was behind it. Because when she, yeah, yeah, Keith is doing the motion. That, st- stuff like that, choices like that made this movie cool and better than the first one. Is like, to get to the dungeon, she literally has the mannequin and it's breaking someone's neck. You know, to, to go right. There's in. some interesting... From a production and design standpoint, right. there were some cool things that we yeah. saw for sure. Um, and I, I also liked I liked when they invite them to the wedding and the one woman's playing the piano and like certain notes are like putting out that like I guess it turns like the magic into non magic like the tree turns into a tree. Or the fairies turn to flowers. Yeah, it was really unclear. Right, that was kind of confusing. But it was but it was cool concept. So so nonetheless, like this this movie studs stand out better to me than the first one uh and i do like it, it just was a more fun film um it it didn't take itself too too seriously which is both a good and a bad thing um but it, all in all this this was more of the movie i was expecting with the first one and i would much rather go back to this world than the very first one which which felt like it was just it was stuck in its in its own muck there to try to um paint over the sleeping beauty story so um, I am going to give it a fresh rating, just barely though. I'm going to give it about a 63. Okay, 63. I mean, that's kind of like right in between the audience and critical score yeah. too. Just better, so not much better than First Maleficent, clearly better, and I, I will award it that, but yeah. 95 is astronomically high, and 39 yeah, I think is a little is a little too harsh for what the movie's trying to be. Okay. So, um, so what was it again? 63. 63. Mm-hmm. 63. Okay, and then Keith, I imagine, is much lower. <laughs> I I know. I, th- I feel like I'm... I mean, these are divided films. Yeah. I have... Uh, yeah. I, That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> he uh, said it. Woo, yeah. I, dude, I, 
maybe it was my fault or not. I watched this movie with my eyes glazed, or yeah, with my eyes glazed. <laughs> you say with your eyes like, closed. I, it was I all know audio. I'm gonna. Well, of course <laughs> you don't like it if your eyes were closed. <laughs> you didn't get a fair I know shot. I'm gonna have to remind myself if this movie ever comes up in a discussion. I'm gonna have to remind myself that yes, I did see it, and I'm going to wager that there has to be some people in the audience who feel the same way. Once again, I like the parade. Like, and then the parade goes, and then I go like, wait a minute, that there were that was a parade of rats. Like, I didn't really think of the the like the, the parade of like I didn't really think about the logistics of the parade. Maleficent. The parade's done. It was just I, like, a parade. <laughs> it was just a parade. Now let's go home and Pointless eat couscous. Um, I well made, well acted, or you know everyone. I, everyone looked like they had a Wait, good time. Uh, real, real quick, Keith, that like that is just baseline at this point for Disney. Yeah, baseline. They, they have a lot of money. They could get whatever talent they want. Like it looks good. It's acted fairly well enough. Like that. That's not the bar anymore. That is that is the absolute lowest like thing. So I agree. If they with have you. a lot of money. Yeah. This movie could uh, a movie like this could benefit from more from practical effects than sure. the entire green screen. Sure. That, that whole stuff like it's it was just like oh my god. Uh, Forty two. I feel like I'm not gonna remember this movie. Okay. Uh, and 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 I usually don't like the only good if a movie's good then it stops being like was this movie unnecessary. I actually think this movie was kind of unnecessary, but first movie made money. I get it. Yeah, you know, it's funny too because when you say like we've obviously Disney at the very least we know will get the good production mm -hmm. value and and the good acting. I mean, that's at this point that's like saying you go to a restaurant, you know, you're at least gonna get like a glass of water poured for you. <laughs> yeah, and really. Have a plate with nap with utensils <laughs> and stuff like that's you know that's that's the least you can do. Um, I yeah. I, and it comes down to writing for both cases of these movies, right? Like, no matter what you do, if if the if the screenplay just isn't there, it's not. And this the screenplay was a mess for me. Mm. Uh, I I do agree that there was a lot more going on. So if I had to go back to either film, I might go back to the second one because it was more interesting than the first one. I think the first one dragged a lot. I don't know if this one dragged. It was just um like this like disjointed uh in each act but um even though I, i'm probably gonna give this a lower score i think i'm gonna give this like i think i'll give this like a 48 percent wow okay just even though that is like a good nine percent lower than the first film mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's fair to say if this is for me better or worse just on on its own. It's like two separate entities at this point. You have a movie mm. that's trying to reinvent a story and then you have a sequel that's able to do its own thing, right? And to me I don't know if I can really say one's better or worse than the other ones. Or mm -hmm. they just, you know, they're each like their own entity at that point. So what what's our percentage score average score for The Mistress of Evil? A 51. Okay. okay. So a dip there, an 8% dip from the original movie. But either way, we are still siding. We are firmly 55 <laughs> on this franchise. Yeah, yeah. We are still still siding with the critics on The Mistress of Evil. Um, yeah, I think this movie maybe just will go on to have its very specific mm -hmm. fans who yeah. will like advocate for the franchise. They came back for the sequel, and if they get a third one, 
good for them. Yeah. If they want to go back to these movies, <laughs> they'll enjoy it. We'll be back. be back. <laughs> It'll be divided, of course. Listen, this was yes, th- this is the alternate ending they should work with. Instead of turning Michelle Pfeiffer into a goat, uh, Maleficent should wave her hands. However, her magic works. We still not even sure. They never explained that either. Wave her hand and make Michelle Pfeiffer watch Grease two front to back, and then critique <laughs> her performance. Uh, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer should have turned herself into a goat. I really don't know why. Like. No, like, hey, it backfired. I really like that. Was, that was the most bad, evil thing that Maleficent did this that entire movie. Right. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I don't even. <laughs> I think like the villain. You can just say the villain was Michelle Pfeiffer because she's such a villain in like most things she does, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So thank you, Johnny, for joining us for this uh, first ever double feature of Divided Films. It was great having you back. Again. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, through all the... We had some technical difficulties along the way, but we made it work. We thought we were cursed. We thought maybe Maleficent cursed us. But, you know, we were able to overcome the curse and vanquish her once and for all. Awesome. So, uh, thanks, guys, for listening, as always. And keep an eye out for more Divided Films coming soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.